Hello gamers from around the world, this is Boxenberger, the video game enthusiast from Germany and I would like to welcome you to today's episode of the World of Gaming, your number one podcast where we discuss everything that happened in gaming this week and today we don't have a camera on you Dutch, but no. still big welcome, how are you doing my man? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, um, yeah no camera there but uh We are podcasting again with a dual stream with World of Gaming and Midweek Mix-Up. So uh, we're going to get into the topics and uh, have, have some fun. Absolutely, we will. Absolutely, we will. And um, yeah, let me also welcome our awesome community. I see a lot of familiar names. I'm very bad in welcoming them personally in chat while, while, while hosting here. Uh, so apologies, I will... Hopefully get to all of you. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I want to start with something uh, that I usually forget and I feel kind of bad that I do. And that is say a big thank you to our moderators here in in the chat. Um, I know you, you have in your uh, chat as well a couple of awesome people keeping the chat clean. And so do, do I here uh, in the world of gaming. So big shout out to yeah. you guys. Um, we... We don't thank you often enough for, for keeping the, the chat a safe uh, space and a clean space for everyone, because everyone should feel welcome here uh, to discuss with us gaming. And uh, so, yeah, a big thank you to those uh, moderators out there. Uh, I already see Pyro and Sith Lord in the chat uh, being the mods. And yeah, need to need to shout out you guys. Um But yeah, we have a couple of really cool topics to, to discuss. Of course, the big news uh, happened actually last week, a day after our podcast uh, last week. Uh, ABK officially joined Team Xbox. Uh, just as expected last week, Friday, they closed the deal literally two hours after the CMA finally gave their their okay to do so and uh, the same day they dropped the trailer they announced that the that they closed the deal because obviously yeah they had the paperwork and everything pre prepared and it was literally just a signature uh, to do that and so yeah we will talk of course about that but following up on that um the other day yesterday phil spencer actually came on the official xbox podcast and gave a 45 minute interview on the entire thing and what we can expect in certain spaces and we definitely will dive into some of his statements and and what we can expect uh from this uh, from this deal uh, and of course with the future of xbox uh and abk so we will dive into that and then uh, dachi i don't know if you've seen this but there was a massive leak this week on the sony side Basically, uh, the entire specs of the PS5 Pro that is uh, supposed to come out next year leaked. And we will definitely dive into that and discuss whether the, the upgrades are worthy enough or not. And there were a lot of other things um, to talk about. And um, yeah, so but before we start with that, Dutch, I'm going to put on some, some gameplay from the game I've been playing. But... What have you been playing? What kept you busy? And also, I, of course, I want to know from everyone in the chat, from our awesome community, what you guys have been playing. So let us know in the chat. Um, yeah, Dutch, what, what kept you busy? 
Yeah, so um, I've just uh, been playing uh, still more Starfield, still going through that. Mm. So I've just put a little bit of older, older Starfield gameplay on here. You're already um, in in a new game plus, or you're still? No, I'm still doing the story at the minute. I'm uh, not too far off the end of the the main story. I'm I'm kind of rushing through into new game plus now, and then a new game plus. I'm going to just relax and build. I haven't built an outpost or anything yet, mm. so I'm going to do that on new game plus, and then I'm going to build one ship that I'm going to use on new game plus, and then I'm just going to relax a bit and do all my proper exploring on, on new game plus with Sweet. increased powers and whatnot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've been playing been playing a lot of Starfield, um, and uh, apart from when my internet went out last night, um, completely went off until like six o'clock this morning. So uh, that curtailed playing a lot of things. Mm. Uh, but I've been playing Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty as well. Oh, nice, and, uh, nice. How how is it, man? Uh, that's absolutely awesome. Like that's the, especially the first. I played about two hours or so, and the first that first two hours of Phantom Liberty are just like insane. The boss battle and things at the beginning is just nuts. Mm. Um, but it's just everything you love about Cyberpunk, but better. How like, how just, does it start? Yeah. Does it actually start as like kind of separate thing, or do you have to go into your it's safe? No, you get it as soon as you as soon as you start your loaded game from wherever you are. If you're at the end of a game. You load it up and then you get a phone call from someone saying you need to get a dog town. So okay. like, okay, fair enough. All right. So you drive drive to the entrance and you can't officially get in and then, then it introduces the main, main character and how you get into Dogtown. Okay. <clears throat> but it was uh, absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. And I, I, I can't wait to play more. I've got that as my Tuesday game. So, of course, we know with it being an expansion, it's not going to be ultra long. So I'm, yeah. I'm glad I'm not kind of just playing it every day. Um, otherwise, I'll have it finished within like the week. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just playing that on Tuesdays. So I'm, I'm, in, I'm looking forward to getting into it again next time. So I've got through to the part where I'm now, mm-hmm. I can't explain it without spoiling the story, but now I've got to the part where I'm able to collect missions in Dogtown and do a little bit of just exploring of Dogtown to see what that's like before I get a call to continue with the story. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's awesome. And, of course, a smidge of motorsport in between playing Starfield and... and uh, Cyberpunk. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Sweet. Yeah, I mean, I have been holding on uh, with, uh, with uh, Phantom Liberty because it literally came out in between Starfield and Baldur's Gate and then uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage and everything. And I knew I would just rush through it and I want to give it the proper time because I absolutely loved Cyberpunk, the base game. Uh, I know. Well, it, the, the, the stream that I had, because I had a stream of, of the opening two hours of, yeah. of Phantom Liberty on Twitch and uh, Daz and Stu both, who don't have Cyberpunk, were sitting there absolutely loving it. Um, and I think both of them were looking to pick that game up at some point because of what they saw on Phantom Liberty. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, it was an absolute blast. I think you're going to love it when you play it. It's I have like no doubt. No doubt. Action opening sequence. But it, it's just too busy. And I, I know I would rush through it and I want to give it really like full attention and, and, 
uh, and now Sp- I have Spider-Man preloaded already, and then so yeah, uh, I'm, I'm gonna wait uh, until like December or so when things slow down a little bit. But yeah, I hear, hear nothing but great things, and I I love to hear that you are enjoying it too. So yeah, yeah. yeah let's see what what people in the chat are playing. Thanoros has been playing Sega Genesis Classics Collection, uh, Sonic Frontiers, and. Starfield, nice man. I haven't dived into the the Sega Genesis Classic Collection too much yet, but uh, I hear it. It's supposed to be very good. Drawn TJ plays Call of Duty, Halo, uh, Starfield, and Forza. Mm. Mm. Call of Duty is is is, is that, did you play the the beta? The have you tried the the Modern Warfare three beta? No, I just I usually leave up to Pat to to let us mm. know whether or not it's good. <laughs> yeah, nah. Um, I haven't played it either. Uh, so Pyro, Pyro Matt is uh, has been playing Gotham Knights, um, and uh, he's now starting like a dragon, Ishin. Um, that's yeah, I cool. need to download that as well. To be fair, yeah, me need me. Need, I don't. I that's not for me. But I I do hope you will enjoy it, man. Uh, but Gotham Knights, yeah, that's in that's in Game Pass now, dude. And uh, I think it is highly underrated. I know it's not a, a, a Arkham game, yeah, and it's not trying to be one. But um, yeah. but I, I felt like this is this was highly underrated simply for the fact that it is 30 FPS on console, which is a bummer. I get it, but uh, the it, the game itself is a lot of fun, man. Um, especially playing as Red Hood. If you max yeah. level him out, uh, you're really, really a badass. Um, so yeah, Sith Lord has been playing Call of Duty, Halo, Doom, uh, and all under one roof. Uh, that's that's cool. Uh, Ballantone has been playing Hades, Starfield, Vampire Survivor, Cocoon, and Forza. That's a long playlist, bro. But you can never go wrong with Hades. Um, Decado has been playing Diablo 4. Yeah, bro, I need to go get back into season two. It's apparently really good. Like they fixed the the, the loot drop ratio, so a lot more rewarding apparently. Um, and the actual season is apparently also really fun. There are new kind of world events or boss events in uh, going on that I hear a lot of of great things about. So going yeah. back. We've got a couple of hours as well. Ninja Scrolls playing Forza Motorsport, Starfield, and y- Yakuza Like mm. a Dragon, Ishin. Uh, and Steve is uh, playing uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Ah, yeah, I have finished that. I will, I will talk about that in a second. Uh, Painful Discourse uh, has finished Armored Core 6. Nice, nice. I played that at Gamescom, but I haven't bought it yet. Um, yeah. See Black Rider is playing Starfield, Soma, and The Long Dark. Um, that's cool. That's very cool. So I hope I didn't forget anyone. Uh, if so, apologies. Uh, but yeah, man, I have finished Assassin's Creed Mirage uh, on Tuesday, Monday or Tuesday this week. Um, I put on some gameplay uh, somewhere from the mid part of the game. Uh, to try to not capture too many spoilers there, but um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I'm a little torn. While while I do like that they are going back to to more, more like the roots of 
um, Assassin's Creed with not su being super open world. I mean, it's still pr open world-ish. Like you have the entire city, you can explore freely and you can um, uh, do side quests and still level up your character. It's definitely more linear uh, than uh, than uh, like Odyssey or Valhalla or so. And yeah. this is kind of refreshing. And they really improved upon the stealth. The stealth felt really great. But the combat, actually not. Uh, they made it a lot worse. And I mean a lot. While you could still argue about Valhalla, but at least you had like the feeling of being a fighter. And they, I know that they are not setting up uh, the story of Basim here. Um, they, they are not setting him up as like this, this warrior. Uh, and I get that. Uh, still, you could have made the combat a lot better because there are simply certain sections where you have to fight. Like the, the story kind of forces you to fight. You can't play certain section sections stealth, and then it, it just feels awful. And honestly, the story is very, very, very forgettable. I like that they remove the like modern day storyline like entirely. There's nothing in there where you wake up from the animus and. and are in modern in the modern day area, it's nothing uh, of that of that is in there, which I kind of like because I felt in Valhalla and even Odyssey that this was like forced it because they put it in there because it it kind of has to be in an Assassin's Creed game, um, but there there was really no benefit to this modern day world story. You woke up in the modern day era, walked around like. A cabin or something read an email and then you're back to the actual game like just remove that shit they did that which is good so there are good and bad things about the game um but really the story is absolutely forgettable um there are some cool stealth missions that i really enjoyed um so overall um i think i gave it an 8 or 8.2 or something um which is I would I would probably recommend get it on sale. Uh, it's it's a nice get on sale. I mean it's still it's even if you buy it now it's not a full price title. Yeah, uh, it's only 50 bucks, but um wait for a sale uh, and then you will have like a good 15 to 20 hour uh, a playthrough uh, of a stealthy more stealthy uh, Assassin's Creed. Um but yeah. So I played that, finished that. And then I went back to Starfield as well, um, which simply is awesome. I'm now in the new game plus, and that's when I want to do like all the base building and stuff. And I still kind of miss my ship that I built in the in the first playthrough. I uh, wish you could have taken that over, honestly. Uh, but yeah, it's it's really awesome to play uh, it uh, in new game plus, and you have like I'm doing a lot. Pardon me, a lot of things differently now, this time around. I don't know what you will do, man, once you're in New Game Plus, but uh, I'm doing a lot of things very different than I did in my first playthrough. So, yeah, still yeah. enjoying that. And then, <coughs> yeah, tonight, Spider-Man unlocks. So, we're playing that tomorrow and over the weekend. Enjoy. So, I will. I will. All right. Dutch, before we dive into some actual topics... um. 
need to shout out the first super chat of the day. Drawn TJ sends in $5 and actually asks a great question. He says, hey, hey guys, do you think all Xbox IPs should have their own version of Forge to let gamers make maps and storyline? Well, I don't think that... Or like, let me hear your thoughts first. Like... What should have Forge? Sorry? Forge. Uh, uh, the other Xbox IPs and which ones should have that? Uh, like something where you can create your own storyline or levels and, and stuff. See, Forza, already, Forza Motorsport, sorry, Forza Horizon already has that. <clears throat> so Forza Horizon's already covered. Forza mm. Motorsport wouldn't really work. Yes, you could build tracks, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, I don't, I don't know whether or not it would work physically with what they've got going on there, building the tracks in there. Um, uh, <clears throat> maybe Skyrim, like a Skyrim-esque game, like I mean, an Avowed or something. Maybe one of basically those. has it yeah, with the modding tools that they provide. Yeah, I'm saying, but, but not, not like on a, on a, on a consumer basis. That's more of a, hmm. if you know how to basis. Yeah, I know. Whereas, the likes of Forge and the and Forza uh, Horizons creator section is yeah. very much friendly for anybody to go in and make something. Um, like the the actual modding side of <laughs> of Skyrim is not that way at all. Um, it's if you know how to code, great, go mod. If you don't, tough. <laughs> yeah, that, that is true. That, that is true. Yeah. It's not like but this, it's, this it's easy I, would, I would say though maybe maybe he's an easier an easier modding tool for for a Skyrim so anybody could like or a Starfield mm. for instance where you can go on and retrofit a, a planet with bases and underground bunkers and things like that and, yeah and put that out so it's something that's easy to use um for for the likes of a Starfield for instance mm. so everybody can create and not just people who know how to mod yeah. So, yeah, I don't think that every game would need that. Uh, there are certain games, uh, if you think about the likes of like your Hellblades or so, uh, where you j just don't need something like that. I always wonder why Gears never really got the same kind of Forge treatment. Um, I know Pyro in the chat said <coughs> that they had the Hive mode for... for similar Forge experience, but it was very limited. Uh, so I, I wonder why they never built something similar than Forge for Gears, obviously. It, it would make sense. Um, like, I don't think that you would need, like, that for, again, for every game, but there are certain games where it would be probably cool. I always wondered why State of Decay 2 never got, like, proper, like, like, um, Forge or even mod support, honestly, because I feel like letting people run wild and creating their maps and bases, uh, outlines for that uh, in, in, in a game like State of Decay 2 could be really cool, especially with the survival aspects and everything. So, um, TJ, John TJ sends in $2 and says, what about Forge mode for Diablo or Call of Duty? I mean, Call of Duty, yeah. I mean, basically, every shooter, uh, um, multiplayer shooter, 
why not? Um, Diablo creating like own dungeons, let let people go run wild with with dungeon creation. Um, you could do probably a lot of cool things there as well. Um, yeah. Sin says Sea of Thieves um, could use a forge and State of Decay two. Yeah. So with State of Decay two, I totally agree. I don't care about Sea of Thieves, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> um, I mean, it's a bit. I, I can understand it, but it's. I think it's especially with the new mode where they've got kind of a, a an easy PVE thing for anybody to go in where everybody's with each other and nobody's against each other kind of modes that they've added, mm-hmm. which of course removes some things, but it, it does mean it probably opens it up a little bit more to things mm-hmm. like that where you can create no, your own islands, etc. <clears throat> True. So yeah, uh, there are plenty of games um, out there. I, I wish, like... It, it, again, it makes so much sense for those multiplayer games to just create maps. Uh, and I mean, there are plenty of games out there where you can basically create maps, probably not with the same support uh, as as Forge. I mean, Forge really is a very easy editor um, to do so. Uh, I can't think f- from the top of my head any other about any other game that does it that or makes it that easy, but there's a a lot of thing uh, games out there with user-created content. However, um, I would love to see them do that in, more in like the atypical um, uh, games. Like again, State of Decay comes to mind. Um, I like the idea of TJ from for Diablo, where well, where you wouldn't expect kind of uh, uh, things like that. So, yeah, um, great question though. Um, he follows up with a $5 super chat, uh, TJ. Uh, thank you so much, man. It says, basically making it easier for the devs so they can focus on the next game or better improvements. Yeah, that's a, that's a benefit about user-created content. It really, really uh, can uh, um, prolong your basically your lifetime of your game. Look at Skyrim. Yeah, it's still being... Uh, played intensively, uh, especially on Steam, where where you have this intensive mod support, uh, and that definitely keeps your game alive, uh, even if you have moved on as as the developer or publisher to to already develop the next game. So um, it's definitely benefit, and it's also very engaging for the community. Love it, yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, Dutch, anything to add to, to use creative content before we move to the big topic? You know? No, not not uh, not user created content, but a shout out to uh, Dave Ramos, who is our first donation to our charity drive this year. We haven't oh. officially began it yet, but right. he has donated twenty dollars to uh, to the charity out. event. So. All Big right. shout out to Dave Ramos for being our first official donation for the charity drive this year. That is awesome, man. Let people know about that. Yeah, so we're doing a charity drive specifically for special effect this year. So, of course, uh, special effect um, is a charity that transforms the lives of people with physical challenges across the world through an innovative use of technology. Um, so they're enabling inclusion and enjoyment by helping people unlock the magic of video games to the best of their abilities, they're bringing communication, independence, and hope for people in intensive care units and with severe injuries. Um, 
uh, and they're using telepresent robots to reconnect medically isolated children with their education and friends. Um, so they they do a lot to to essentially help the, um, the disabled people of all ages, kids and adults, um, who um, who are unable or have been unable to game due to their physical disabilities, um, or in some cases mental disabilities. Um, and they do that through the means of technology. So um, basically helping them and uh, reconnect them back so they can play with people. Um, so yeah, we're doing that from the 6th of November, um, just doing streams every day. And on the 11th till the 12th, we're doing a 24-hour marathon stream as well. So that'll be all on Twitch and, and on YouTube through different creators, including Pat and Vinny and probably a few others as well doing streams throughout the week. Um, and including myself, and uh, we'll be raising money for special effect. Yeah. So, uh, as has kindly put the uh, the link in in my chat here, um, but it's uh, just justgiving.com forward slash midweek mix up um, is the link. I will definitely put that link also in the description of the show right after. So, um, for anybody looking out uh, out for for that. Um, you do that every year, and yep. very successfully so, which is fantastic, man. The entire community helps out here, and uh, it's it's for a good cause, and um, and that's awesome, uh, man. That that you guys are doing that. Um, but yeah, let us let us move to some actual topics, man. Um, so we have, like like I said in the intro. Um, Last week, the the big ABK uh, acquisition finally closed, uh, and I think uh, I'm not alone if I say I'm I'm basically relieved that it's over uh, after like a year and ten months, which is pretty pretty long. I I, I mean, everyone said it uh, it went on longer than expected, and at the at the end, a lot of people were simply tired. But if, if you think about back. On, on this entire thing. They announced it in January 22. Um, and the discussions ran wild. And then we have seen the first um, regulators approve the deal. And everyone was like, yeah, it's going through. Then we had some setbacks. Uh, the FTC running wild. We had the big court cases where it actually became interesting again. Because we learned a lot of things. Yeah, um about of course not just sony and what they put in their contracts but also about a lot of things how different executives look at this um at, and look at uh, uh, xbox and their business and um and then earlier this year we had the big setback of course with the cma basically blocking the deal um and uh not now they outsourced the cloud they blocked it over cloud. I still can't get over this. Uh, they would have blocked it for Call of Duty. I don't. I know. I would still have not found it good that they did it, but I would have understood that at least to some degree, but not over cloud. But now that this is uh, basically licensed out to to Ubisoft, um, they were finally able to close the deal. So, yeah, man. Before we dive into some some. Th things that happened um, over the course of the last week regarding this. Um, 
what what are your thoughts uh, on this deal now finally closing? One of the biggest quiz uh, uh, tech uh, mergers uh, ever. Um, and definitely the biggest tech uh, acquisition in the gaming industry. So, and what what are your thoughts now that it's finally over? Thank God for that. Is, is my <laughs> summary. <laughs> yeah, I am so glad that is done. I am so glad that is done, and we can just get to the meat and potatoes of it. And right, okay, let's start merging the companies, which is going to take months. Which is um, part of it, and then uh, then then we'll see what the plan is moving forward. Yep. But the interview had a lot of good things about what it means for consumers, um, and what um, what Phil Spencer um, wants from the studios going forwards, and so on and so forth. So there's sent potential consumer benefits long term, <clears throat> um, but in the short term. We also found out quite a bit, but uh, yeah, initial thought is just thank God this is done. I was so happy to see that the the um, CMA had just said, yeah, it was provisionally approved. And from that point, you knew it was just a matter of days until yeah. they just closed it. So um, thankfully, that was Friday, just gone. Um, I've had a bit to stew on it, but um, yeah, thank God it's over. I mean, uh, again, I think a lot of people felt that way. They immediately dropped that trailer. You've seen that, man. Um, yeah. It was actually a very good trailer. Well edited together uh, with a lot of goosebump moments. Yeah. Seeing like Call of Duty in the same trailer like Halo and Starfield. And um, it's just, just pretty, pretty awesome. But yeah, you already uh, uh, said it. Um, there were... We we all kind of expected uh, like that they do a big round table, like just like they did with the Bethesda Cinemax acquisition, yeah, where they gathered Pete Hines and Todd Howard and all those uh, Bethesda faces, um, and and just sat down with Aaron Greenberg and Phil Spencer and whatnot to like yeah do discuss this. Uh, we didn't get that, yeah, but we did get a, a big interview, 45 minutes long, with uh, Phil Spencer the other day, um, and he talked about a lot of things. Uh, so, yeah, uh, man, let, let's let's get into some of those um, th those things that he discussed. Um, well, where to start? Um, I mean, let us start with Game Pass drops. Let us start with Game Pass drops, man, because everyone was like, "Yeah, that the 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 week after they close the, that deal, we will see like a lot of a lot of Game Pass drops, um, legacy titles come into Game Pass from Activision Blizzard King." Um, the the official account uh, tweeted out actually last week that this is probably not gonna happen until twenty four, and he basically reconfirmed that there's he said. It's not that easy, yeah. Um, there is definitely work to be done to do that. So he wished he could tell people and be absolutely honest with them uh, that this is, is rather sooner. And if it's possible, of course, they, they will do it. But 24 basically sounds right. Um, so I was wondering what... He didn't go into specifics. What are the differences he literally also brought up Bethesda, where they basically immediately dropped some legacy titles. What do you think? What's the holdup? Why not release like 
Crash Bandicoot or Spyro or Tony Hawk or some of the very old Call of Duty titles or whatnot into Game Pass. What, what do you think? What's the holdup there? Um, I just I think it just depends on what licenses they've got and what ones they they need to get approved etc. First, because we have a think of things like the likes of Tony Hawk, for instance. They'll have a few different licenses they need to get in order to, or approvals they need to get from those licenses in order to get that into Game Pass anyway. Um. And then you have a thing of the Call of Duties and, and their contractual terms and stuff like that. And <clears throat> they, they could they, theoretically they could put some back catalogue stuff into Game Pass, but I think they 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 just know this year specifically there's that many things coming out and still haven't been hasn't come out already. The likes of Alan Wake is still to come out. Yeah. Um, among several other games, you've got Spider-Man as well dropping on PlayStation recently. Yes, they could do a counter and drop a few old Call of Duties in there, but um, I think it's there's just no rush. We've seen a load of games intentionally push out of 2023 because it's just that busy and there's that many things mm. to play. The vast majority of people haven't caught up with playing everything that they've already bought the tail end of this year anyway. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, think, I don't think they see it as a rush either. Um, and I think we'll probably start seeing things. It could even be like from the off in, at the beginning of January, like the start, the, the whole post-Christmas uh, kind of not uh, what do you call it? The, yeah, the Boxing Day, yeah. the Boxing Day sales portion of that to kind of start pushing out uh, Game Pass editions from Activision and then push Game Pass mm. even more after Christmas. Um, and before Christmas, of course, they've just had Starfield and Motorsport, and they've got. A bunch of others going into there. You've got Dead Space dropping it, on the twenty sixth. Exactly. I wanted to say that uh, this this uh, <clears throat> the, the, the next wave of uh, Game Pass drops is actually pretty pretty good. There are some really cool indie games coming, like Chusant. Well, how do you pronounce it? Chusant. Chusant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's a, it's French. French Chusant. Uh, my French is not really good. Yeah. So. Apologies, but uh, yeah, that that space the remake, man. I I had no chance to play that actually um, when it launched. Uh, too busy at the time, so I always was like, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna get it on a sale, get it on a sale, and then twenty four, uh, twenty three was just an insane year where all these games came out. So I haven't played that yet, and now it's coming to Game Pass, which is pretty awesome. Uh, Really, really big game for for Game Pass. Yeah, I said I was holding off on it going into Game Pass, so um, mm. I'm I'm glad I did. So, um, and it comes out just before just before Halloween, so I'm debating mm-hmm. whether or not to be my uh, Halloween stream game or play something else. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But yeah, I do agree. Um, I think it's probably a mix of a couple of things. Um. I don't think that when he said there's work to be done, that he literally meant like technical work in terms of yeah, we have to do, do something about the code of the of the particular games because I've seen people on on Twitter speculate about that. Don't think that that's the case uh, because I think all all of them are already having a, like an Xbox version. Um, the work to be done is probably. Either related to like like you said licenses. Um, however, I don't see that being a big issue for some of the really old games, like five to ten year old uh, Activision Blizzard uh, games. 
but I also think that we kind of underestimate how much work needs to be done within Xbox now. For them, the real work begins now. The, the real work with the regulators was ma mainly a couple of executives and uh, tons of, <coughs> pardon me, tons of lawyers. Yeah. But now they have to implement the organization of a publisher that is as big as Xbox and Bethesda Zenimax combined. Xbox and Bethesda uh, together have about 10,000 employees. And now they add another 10,000 to it. And I think this is like real work. Yeah, so uh, ju just to see if you don't get into trouble and look everything up, uh, get into trouble in terms of licenses or publishing thing rights or existing contracts uh, and how you implement, implement the staff and everything just takes time. And I think that Bethesda was simply easier on that because they already had a very close collaboration. They knew that they keep them more independent than they intend to do with Activision Blizzard King. Bobby Kotick's out by the end of the year. They already announced that. Yeah, and that they all these organizations report directly to Phil. That was a, is a very, very different phrasing than what they used in terms of Bethesda Cinemax and their implementation where they said like, yeah, they, they still keep their publishing arm. They still keep their, you know, organizational structure, they, their HR department and so on. And that's different now. And this also ties into these releases with Game Pass because at the very end of the day, it all takes time. So I think that's definitely one factor. And the other factor is what you also said. There's really no need to rush those games out right now because Game Pass is killing it lately. Yeah, like with the first party titles, Starfield, Forza, but now also with third party drops, bigger drops like Dead Space coming now. Yeah, and, and a bunch of indie games. And then you have a you roll into that holiday season with Alan Wake and Avatar and all those games are still yet to come. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff yet to come this year. Um, big releases. Um, so there's really no need to rush that. But then we all know that like around Christmas and and especially in January, usually it's quiet in it, uh, starting in February again, you will get new releases coming out. But um, during that period of time, uh, yeah, like you can use those now. You don't have to drop them all in, in, in Game Pass right now. You can use them. I don't want to use the word filler because that sounds so negative and I don't mean it that way, but I don't know <laughs> a better word for it, you know, to to, to just, yeah, when, when you have like a trial streak in Game Pass, um, just drop them in there. So, um, yeah. We, we we shall see, but don't expect any any of the games uh, coming uh, th this year. Uh, that Phil was clear yeah. on that. Um, Drawn T Chase, yeah, please oh, go ahead. Gonna, yeah, quick shout out to Splendiferous who uh, drops two dollar super chat there, and he says, "Brothers, I see you, and I wish you all well. Love you both. Thank you, Splendiferous. Thank you so much, man." Um, and Drawn T Chase sends in a five dollar super chat and says. Now they go get the studios they are working with uh, first, the, with first then Sega and then fifty one percent stake in all of Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah, um, 
I don't think that they are going after Sega or or even Warner Brothers. With Warner Brothers, I, I would put actually. I know it's an unpopular opinion to have, but I would prefer Warner Brothers over Sega, simply for the fact yeah. that Sega has not published that many games in the last decade for me. I know they they are big with the Yakuza. Those are not my games. I know people love them and it's great. And even the, the latest Sonic games, they are nice, but not really like something where I say, ooh, I need that. Yeah, but then I look yeah. at Warner Brothers and especially the IP that Warner Brothers has. But I would prefer that, but I don't think that any of these big publishers are going to happen. Um, so, um, yeah. We shall see. I think they will go go and get smaller studios. And I truly believe that one thing that they are very, very heavily investigating are Crystal and Eidos, Eidos uh, Montreal from, from buying them back from, from Empresa. Because obviously Empresa is in deep trouble. They closed so many studios uh, over the last six months. They uh, reduced the staff in so many studios. They overdid themselves. Um, they they obviously can't handle those big IPs. And with Crystal, they have a very close relationship. Obviously, Daryl Gallagher was the former studio head and is now working um, as a studio head, head of the initiative. Uh, and they collaborate with Crystal to make a perfect dark. So obviously, there's a very strong relationship um, and Eidos uh, is uh, helping out with Fable. And uh, so, yeah, I could see that happening next, honestly, uh, if if anything. But it felt to me that Phil was kind of relieved that this acquisition thing is now over. And uh, maybe they yeah. just need a little room to breathe and actually focus on <clears throat> integrating them and setting out new strategies before, like, going out on another shopping spree. I don't know. But I would love them to save uh, Crystal and Eidos from, from Embracer before they close those two studios. Because I'm also a big fan of Tomb Raider, man. And I don't want Embracer yep. to fuck that up, honestly. Yeah. Um, uh, another quick shout out here to Fantosa, who's also donated to the charity. Um, who uh, £20 plus £5 gifted. So thank you very much, uh, Fantosa, for the £25 donation there in total. Much appreciated. Shout out. Definitely. Um, Drawn TJ follows up with a $5 super chat. Super chat. Thank you, man. And he says, uh, remember, they now own 44 studios, including support studios, and they just took on 20,000 employees. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's what I'm saying. They basically doubled overnight. They doubled overnight and it's not like ABK is not like a company like Bethesda. Bethesda is a well-oiled machine. Yeah, they have very similar culture in general um, like Xbox has or Microsoft has. And ABK obviously didn't. Yeah, I mean, you see all the lawsuits going on. You see the cultural problems that they have. And like TJ says... Uh, they doubled overnight and changing culture, changing mentality, changing um, 
certain business strategies is is really really tough that takes time that takes a lot of effort especially from the managers um and so they have they have to have a handful now um i can guarantee you that um that's always what i say when think about the abk deal that's kind of also the the one thing that i'm a little concerned about because we have seen Xbox getting distracted by certain things um, over the last couple of years. Yeah, um, it was obviously when they moved over to PC, they they, they kind of moved away the focus from the console. We have seen um, that that certain things like like Redfall, yeah, where they openly admitted, okay, we should have taken care of that, but we didn't. Um, like so. I wonder what what happens now when they look into mobile more, yeah. And uh, uh, do, will we see like a shift of focus there, yeah? But because at the very end of the day, um, even Phil is is only a man. He's a great man, <laughs> one of the uh, the shining lights in the executive uh, region uh, in the gaming industry. But um, also his. You know, he can do only so much. Uh, but yeah, we shall see. Um, they, we will talk about a lot of things uh, because he mentioned also a couple of things in 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 the um, in the interview. But uh, I want I need to catch up on some super. Uh, Pyromat sends in a two pound super chat and says, "If Xbox bought Warner Brothers Studios, they wouldn't get the IP." Yeah, I've heard that. Um, that's that's the thing. Um, the, the IP is not owned by the gaming division of Warner Brothers. So it's the mother co- uh, co- uh, company. So, And Warner Brothers isn't looking for sale there uh, as, as an entire, you know, as well in the movie business and the entire entertainment uh, company. Um, it's always just a rumor about them wanting to sell off some of the gaming divisions. And honestly, I I feel like with when I think about Warner Brothers... What kind of studios do they really have that have these this triple A banger blockbuster? They had their big fair sh- share now with Hogwarts Legacy earlier this year. Uh, a studio that wasn't definitely not known for triple A development, absolutely not. Uh, and they might be now, but other than the, uh, uh, that, and I'm blanking on the name of the studio. Um, that made Hogwarts. Uh, sorry, great game though. Um, they have Rocksteady. It was a, <clears throat> it was a studio. Uh, I'll, I'll look into it because it was a studio that everybody thought it was, but it but it was the a studio that sounds the same. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's by Portkey Games, but it's also Port by Key Avalanche Games. Software. Yeah, yeah. Avalanche Software and Portkey Games. And everyone was thinking Avalanche Studios, yeah, but that's exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. Avalanche, yeah. Different, different Avalanche. Uh, so, yeah, they, they have, actually they didn't have a history of anything big. They had, like, th- th- small titles. Very, very small titles. They that that's that was so surprising about that game. They knocked it out of the park with, with that one. Um, so, even if you consider them now being AAA, like, what other big studios do they have? Rocksteady, obviously, with the Arkham game, games. But then you look at um, Suicide Squad and that perception, even though we two both thought it looked fun, yeah? Um, 
I really think that the gaming division could be like a make or break for for them with Rocksteady hitting um, Suicide Squad next year. I don't know if if Suicide Squad fails. I don't know how Warner Brothers would look at that because that took them what now? I want to say nine years in twenty four to make that game. Think when when was Arkham City? Uh, not Arkham City. Um, Arkham Knight twenty fifteen. So. Every eight or nine years getting one triple A game out of, of Rocksteady and then not hitting. So I I feel like this is because what other big studio do, do you think can you think of any other bigger triple A studio in, in, in the Warner Brothers division? Not really. No, right? not really. Yeah, so nope. th- that's that's really the, the question there. How how will they how will they handle that? If th- that game doesn't hit, that their gaming division is outside of Hogwarts and port key games, um, basically non-existent anymore. Uh, so, yeah, I-, I could see them sell then off that gaming division. But if Microsoft or any uh, anyone else would buy them, they would not own the IP, and that's what you're after, right? When you look at Warner Brothers, you you so after the IP. Warner Brothers have. Um Avalanche Software, Monolith, Netherrealm, Netherrealm, right? Yeah. Netherrealm. That's also Warner yeah. Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. Mortal Kombat. True. PT Games, Warner Brother Games, Montreal, Warner Brother Games, uh, Boston, Warner Brother Games, New York. So they've got TT, Rocksteady, Portkey, Netherrealm, Monolith, and Avalanche. <clears throat> Mono- the, right, monolith. In terms of products well. that they have, includes the Batman, Batman Arkham series, the Fear series, the Injustice series, the Lego series, uh, the Middle Earth series, the Mortal Kombat series, mm. and of course Hogwarts. Yeah, but even even um, Monolith, um, they made um, the the uh, Shadow uh, uh, of Mordor games, yeah? Yeah. yeah, and they are working on the Wonder Woman game. That's yeah. That's something, yeah. But they, they, it also takes a long time for them to make the, those kind of games. So, yeah. Um, so Toronto Chase says uh, for two dollar super chat. Thank you, man. Uh, the reason why you buy all Warner Brothers, you get DC. Yeah, but then uh, you, Microsoft would need also to go uh, get uh, go into the like movie and and TV business, and I don't think that they have any intention to do so um so you would buy off probably that and then license out the ip um which xbox traditionally isn't a fan big fan of which i don't think is is good they should look into pop culture ip definitely it is it's a magnet yeah you see the hype around spider-man because um well the game is probably going to be a good one but uh you know it, it just pulled it's a pull factor for your brand and microsoft should get dc man wonder woman would be an, an absolute blast to have that as a like kind of an exclusive or even a game pass day one drop or something um why why haven't we heard anything about wonder woman because what what they have said about the game? They haven't shown. They have only shown the teaser trailer. But what they've said about the game. It sounded fantastic, man. Uh, it sounded like it's been in the works for a couple of years when they announced it in 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 two thousand and twenty one. I want to say they will have the Nemesis system in there, which is I thought fantastic from the 
Shadow of Mordor games. You could complain about a couple of things there, but uh, in general, it, I love the idea, and no one else has picked that idea up, and, and, and they will port that over to Wonder Woman, so, um, yeah. I don't know, man. What, what's going on with Wonder Woman? God knows. I have absolutely no idea. It's one of the many games that have just went into the abyss and we've never heard of from months on end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I don't true. know. True. So, how did we end up there? TJ, that was one of your supers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, let, let's get back to the Phil Spencer interview. He also mentioned uh, that he's going to visit all the teams now. Uh, he's actually uh, right now uh, over there in Sweden uh, and uh, and um, visiting King because the, he mentioned literally mentioned them uh, that he doesn't know them too well. Yeah, because obviously Xbox is not a like mobile developers developer so far. Um, then he's also going to visit, of course, Activision and Blizzard. He's probably a lot more familiar with them, uh, especially since uh, he knows like Mikey Barra and, and so on very well. So, um, yeah, uh, he, he talked also a lot about that being very important uh, for him, that he wants to visit those teams and listen to them. Um, what do you think, man? Um What's his intention there? Where, where, where do you think this is going? Yeah, I think he set his intentions out there. He said it's pretty open for these studios to come forward and, and tell them what they want to work on, essentially, <clears throat> which is good to hear. Yeah. He's given them free room, really, to, to work on whatever they want to work on, and they'll, they'll look at things and then greenlight it as they go. Um, it might not necessarily, some things might not work, some things might, but they'll kind of work through what they're, being proposed by these studios, but it's far more flexibility than any of these studios have had before. So it's definitely interesting to see where that'll go. I totally agree there. Um, I mean, especially on that point that you mentioned that he said he wants to listen um, to what the teams want to do. Uh, especially when he was asked about starting the reboots of IP, because obviously we all, we did it on this podcast, a lot of other podcasts did it. Uh, the community is doing it constantly on, on the socials. What what IP should, should they bring back and reboot? Yeah, obviously, I don't know. For me, always StarCraft comes obviously to mind. Yeah, I want to see that StarCraft Ghost game uh, actually come to... to reality um but i also want them to revisit games like pitfall there are a lot of ips you know from the sierra era um like i would love to see an adventure game like sog brought back to the to the modern day era um tony hawk comes to mind you could speculate about a lot of things but he made it very clear rebooting ips depends really on what the teams want to do. So it's not going to go out there and say, okay, you guys have to do now the new next StarCraft or the next Pitfall or whatever. So, yeah. What what do you think? How will this turn out? Will we actually see that many reboots? Uh, Will the teams pick that up? And and what 
What, what do you think, man? Yeah, I mean, he's mentioned a few of them, including um, Guitar Hero, which has been touted quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like that approach where he's like, you're not forced to work on old IPs, but if you want to work on them, you can come forward and we'll and we're we're absolutely open to to letting anybody work on what they want to work on. So I, I like that approach. That's what we want to see from from these studios now because they've been um they've been kind of under the caution and working on a lot of them have been forced to work on call of duty for years on end so it'd be nice to see them given a little bit of free room to work on something else now maybe he's a new ip maybe he's existing ip we never know but uh it's a good um, it's it's a good first step on on that note uh, <clears throat> sorry uh on that note do you think um Do you think that the toys for Bob and so on, where we all feel like, oh man, why are they working on on Call of Duty? Uh, such talented developers wasted on, on on Call of Duty. Not that Call of Duty is bad by any means, but the like the annual thing, um, basically forced Activision to do, oh, put those. Um, those developers on on Call of Duty. Uh, so there are two ways you can approach that now. You can either, and we put up a poll in the chat, by the way, to to ask you guys that if Xbox should um, shift away from the from the yearly release to a biannual release or something um, to free up those resources, because I'm I'm not seeing them actively pull those developers away from that money printing machine that is Call of Duty, uh, for multiple reasons. Obviously, money, yeah. It's like every year, one of the most successful games each and every year. Uh, and the other thing is, of course, also like the public reception. Can you imagine if they announce in in December? Oh, okay, we we are not doing Call of Duty anymore on a yearly basis. So it will come out every other year or every three years or something. I mean, as hardcore gamers, we would probably applaud, uh, but but there the outcry would be Microsoft killing Call of Duty. You know, you can already see the headlines. I I don't see that happening. So what they would have to do is go into the teams and say, okay, build an extra team to do the game you want to do, or or how do do you think about this? I don't. I'm I'm really not sure how much. It's always easy to say, oh, yeah, we let the teams do what they want. But, hey, you, you're still working on Call of Duty, right? So, I don't know. What, what do you think? Yeah, it depends. I mean, you don't need every one of them. They've already got, like, three dedicated studios to Call of Duty. So, just keep them put in rotation. <clears throat> um, you don't need the remaining studios to work on Call of Duty, especially Toys for Bob. I mean, they've done tremendous work on crash bandicoot and spyro and and games like that so they're clearly talented in what they've done and reimagining these older titles so they'd be better to use on something like that elsewhere in the portfolio and microsoft have got a lot of older titles that could deal with the or do with the work that they're able to produce so yeah even though call of duty is a cash cow i think two or three studios working on call of duty is more than enough already Mm -hmm. um, and especially if they're planning to kind of reduce that Call of Duty output to like once every two years or once every whatever it is 
And again, you don't need to worry about dropping an annual Call of Duty because their money's made in microtransactions. So as long as they're feeding the the Warzone and the uh, and the multiplayer segments of that throughout those two year periods with updates and maps and weapons and stuff, it, it doesn't matter if a mainline drops or not. They're still getting bucket loads of money. <clears throat> so, yeah. I think on that side, I think it, it, it doesn't matter whether or not you've got two or three studios working on Call of Duty now or seven. I think it's better off to, to take four or five of those studios and get them to work on something that's something else other than Call of Duty. Revitalize the workforce. Doesn't mean they can't work on it again in the future. It just means it's, it's not necessary mm. right now. And Call of Duty can stand on its own two feet with two studios working on it. I'm not. I'm not sure if I would agree necessarily because Toys for Bob and all the others that support the three main studios that they do have on rotation. There's always like Infinity Ward and you know uh, the, the the main studios and the others are basically the support studios. They are not supporting because um, the main studios can handle Call of Duty on their own. That's just. The, the, the fact why they pulled ev every other IP and put everything that they have on Call of Duty. And if you want to keep that schedule, you kind of have to keep that workforce intact. I don't, there are definitely probably uh, ways to make it more efficient. Yeah. Uh, but I don't see them pulling away studios uh, like Toys for Bob. If they come tomorrow and say, oh, we are not going to work on Call of Duty anymore, and then the next studio comes and uh, we, are, we are not working on it either, just because we don't want to, I don't think that this... I, but I'm hope, I hope I'm wrong, because I want to see um, those studios do, do what they actually want to do. Um, and give us those IPs. Um, but, yeah, we shall see. Uh, I don't think that we will see those kind of announcements anytime soon so it, it will probably be a, a while until we hear more about other ips being worked on and how it will turn out so um yeah we shall see man we shall see um what else did um uh, phil mentioned in the interview he also talked a lot about mobile and He said, like, he doesn't want to turn to turn, like, every major Xbox IP now into mobile games. That's that's not his intention. But he also made it clear that mobile is part of their strategy going forward. Uh, he phrased it the way that he said, if you want to stay relevant in the wider gaming industry in the future, you kind of have to be on that on, on the platform where most people play games, and that's obviously mobile. So, yeah, um, they have... He didn't go into any more specifics about their mobile plans, but we also had the, um, the, the confirmation from Tom Warren earlier this week that the Xbox Mobile Store is still uh, due in 2024. Yeah, um, so... What do you think? What will be the the mobile strategy of Phil Spencer and Team Xbox? Um, I think it's a mixture of a couple of things. I think, obviously, 
there's a few of the juggernauts I've already got with King that won't be moved to like sort of, I don't know whether it's got bejeweled or whatever it's called. Um, Candy Crush. Candy Crush, that's it. They won't be moved. They, they're raking in billions. If you think Call of Duty makes money, Candy Crush yeah. makes more. Um, so it's, yeah, I think I, I, I'm kind of in line with Phil's words there. He doesn't want to make everything into a, into a, a mobile IP because it doesn't it doesn't transfer it doesn't always transfer well and it's it's proved obvious there it's clearly not proved um, proved the most advantageous previously the likes of Gears Pop and stuff like that that have been out previously haven't really done all too well when it's been on mobile um, so. Yeah, it's just about finding what kind of games would work and how they would work as a mobile game, or whether or not you just make an actual native mobile game. That's a bit like AAA. So if you have a look at the likes of um, Warzone Mobile, Call of Duty Mobile, mm-hmm. or PUBG Mobile and things like that, they're native versions of the of a regular Call of Duty yeah. for, for for handheld. So maybe he's looking at doing something a little bit more AAA on the mobile space because mm-hmm. it does work. And we've seen that along with um, RPGs as well. There's been a lot of RPGs that have transferred very well on mobile. Yep. So <clears throat> depends. It depends. It's mobile's not an easy one to crack because mobile audience is not an easy. You can you can get easily get millions of downloads on mobile, but it doesn't necessarily transfer into being successful. Yeah, like a regular app can get a hundred thousand downloads and no problem. Absolutely no no problem whatsoever on mobile. Because there's billions of devices, yeah. so, <laughs> um, it's an entirely different ballpark. So, yeah, it's it's a different, it's a very different market to try and analyze and try to crack. You can get a couple of million downloads, and it, it doesn't translate into profitability. So, that is uh, true. We'll see. Yeah, that is true. Um, I don't think, honestly, that we will. How do I phrase that? see like a major shift in when it comes to to mobile gaming uh in terms of that we noticed that as the console and pc gamer uh, i we we are not i uh, not and probably a lot of people that are in the chat here as well uh and listen to us on spotify and google podcasts or and and and, and apple podcast um don't play that much on 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 mobile um i could be wrong uh if so let us know in the chat uh but or in the comments but um i so i don't think that we will immediately notice it uh but yeah the 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 store the that they built their own storefront especially in apple on the apple uh eq system is something that we've been hearing a lot about i think that they will try to do it that way, definitely. Um, put uh, Candy Crush or, or even Diablo. Yeah, Blizzard has also released like very successful uh, mobile games, um, like exclusive. There, you could get get others to join, like Genshin Impact. You know, uh, they had had their their arguments uh, uh, with with. Um, with especially Apple, yeah, because they allowed like to purchase on their website stuff that you then could use in game on on your iOS device, 
and basically cutting out Apple. So they had they had their argument. I see that they could go for that. We know that Epic is also very against, <laughs> very much against uh, these policies from um, from Apple and Google, and uh, I could see them joining like the the Microsoft App Store or whatever it will be called. Um, and but but I think we as as the core gamers on PC and console will basically not notice it. Um, I could see them implement them those kind of games like Candy Crush with achievements or something like tie them into the ecosystem that way. And I wonder if they are going to do something like Game Pass on mobile. I could also see that there will be a, another tier that will add mobile Game Pass, yeah, um, to some uh, degree. But yeah, I'm 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 not thinking uh, about it that way because I've seen a lot of people out there say, "Oh, what, what if they turn Ninja Theory or Playground or whatnot, uh, um, or even some of the Bethesda." studios suddenly into mobile developers i don't think that this is going to happen that's that's not their intention um so yeah um couldn't care less personally because i'm not playing on mobile i play on everything but not mobile i have pc i have the pc i have the nintendo switch xbox obviously and, and playstation and i love to play on all of them i have the rock ally if i need to do mobile gaming but i don't do do it on my phone i just not for me. So, yeah. Um, man, uh, what else? Uh, before we... Uh, t uh, hang on. One, one thing, uh, because Toronto J kindly reminded everyone in the chat to hit the like button. And people always tell me that I don't remind people enough to, to hit the like uh, button here. Uh, and I usually I don't want to interrupt the show and the flow uh, for the likes, but obviously it would be awesome uh, to get a few more hits here on the like button, uh, actually on both our channels. So um, yeah, if you do enjoy the show, uh, please hit the like button. And if you're new here, uh, consider subscribing. We have this show each and every week, and uh, we try to provide you with some. Uh, some good content here and a uh, good conversation uh, and so yeah if you do enjoy hit the subscribe button but yeah Dutch um, anything else you want to mention out of the Phil Spencer interview before we move on to to one of the, the the other topics that we have this week no I think I'm good all right all right um, so yeah let's move on um, Something very interesting happened um, about the PS5 Pro, man. Um, we had the rumor that this is coming um, next year, fall next year. Uh, we had the, the rumors. Tom Henderson obviously leaked that um, a while ago. And yeah, it is uh, very interesting to see because the specs uh, of that PlayStation 5 Pro uh, actually leaked this week, so take it with a grain of salt. Obviously, uh, you never know. But uh, a few days back, Red Gaming Tech uh, actually uh, reported on that, and um, so here is what is apparently in in the PS5 Pro. 
they will stick to the Zen 2 CPU architecture and they have a 8 core Zen 2 CPU in there. Um, so uh, that's basically what we have right now. We have a 8 core Zen 2 CPU in Xbox and, and the PlayStation. Um, they will have a six, but they will have, but they will change the GPU. Uh, they go move over, um, to an RDNA3 hybrid, um, architecture with 60 compute units, uh, running somewhere in between 2500 and 2800 megahertz. The clock speeds are not locked in yet. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, 60 compute units. So they bumped that up because that was basically the uh, one of the major differences in between the approach from Xbox, uh, the Xbox Series console, and the and, and the PS5 Pro. While Sony significantly increased the clock speeds, they had less compute units. While uh, on the Xbox Series X, uh, you had s slow clock speeds, but already 52 compute units. Um, so they bump that up and they go to the RDNA 3 hybrid um, uh, architecture there. And here comes the bummer Dutch. Uh, they'll stick with the uh, 16 gigabyte RAM. Uh, so according to this leak, no increase in RAM. However, they will have GDDR6 memory at 18,000 mega transfers per second, which is a significantly faster RAM that they have right now in the PS5. So not more, but faster RAM. Um, and that's probably, I would have to guess, uh, due to the Tempest engine performance uh, and the two shader engines that they have. Um, so yeah, what what do you think about all these specs before before I give my spiel? Um, does this intrigue you? Do you think um, this is this is exactly what we need in a in a mid gen refresh console? What would you, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, quick shout out as well to Junk Meal there for the ten euro super chat who oh, simply yeah. says liked. So thank you very much for that. <laughs> um, awesome. <clears throat> Yeah, we, we mentioned this. I think the, the one thing both consoles need is more RAM. Yeah. Um, I've mentioned one of the first things you do on any any gaming PC or any PC build that you do, regardless of what the specs of those RAM are. You can have 16 gig of RAM at 3,400 megahertz. Yeah. You can have it 4,000 meg. Whatever you have, it makes no difference. It's the amount of RAM available. It's the amount of memory available to the, to the computer in order to do its tasks. And when you're multitasking, which a lot of these consoles now do, you have many things running simultaneously, whether it be streaming or party chats or having your game running or recording or whatever it is you do on the on the console. Um, it's requiring multiple things to do multiple things. Um, so there is always a little stored section of that memory that's always partitioned off for background tasks. Um, so you're not even getting the 16 gig. You, you're probably getting anywhere between maybe 14 and 12 gig of RAM. And when it's been part of it's been partitioned off for system memory. So yeah. Yeah. then what you've got left over for actual game memory um, is, is again, like I say, the 12 or 14 gig, which is not enough these days, um, especially to have that overhead performance. So it's a disappointment to see that if 
if true, <clears throat> would be looking at another 16 gig console. Um, personally, I think these consoles now should be at 32 gig. Um, and it, it's not it's not a big enough jump. Like, we've, we've spoke about this before again. It's looking at maybe RDNA 3. You're not That's thinking not that the, the speed boost in the memory with the 18,000 mega uh, transfers per second uh, is going to help out? Nah, not really. Not really. I I agree, but <laughs> I just wanted to make it clear. Yeah. 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 I don't think I don't think it will. I think uh, I think more memory would have been the better option here. You don't need don't need the same memory with higher clock speeds. I don't think that will help anything. It makes no difference. I think you need more more memory available for these machines, and it's not costly. We know that, and they've already been shady as it is anyway, releasing these these new refreshed versions of the current consoles at a higher price, despite being less to make. So um, they're already being dodgy. I think they could they could quite easily uh, <clears throat> quite easily increase the memory there and and still have yeah. it probably the same price as the original console was yeah so what about gpu and cpu yeah again it's it's i, I don't see them as major boosts to be honest the, it, an okay increase i mentioned there they're going rdna3 which i think is a bit strange and considering they, as we know it's especially since uh it's apparently the hybrid um version uh so yeah. in, uh, AMD has this line where they uh, are not full, well, yeah, they, they're not going fully RDNA 3. Um, they they basically uh, use RD, the, the RDNA 3 um, architecture on the, on the compute units, but everything else still uh, runs on the RDNA 2 architecture. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, not a major boost. Uh, I mean, 60 compute units, depending, of course, on the clock speeds they, they choose, um, is an, a significant increase over the 32 compute units that they have right now. But if they lower the clock speeds, which I would assume they do, because you want to make it, first of all, you can't make it any larger. You can't make it, your home console any larger than the PS5 already is, so they have to reduce the form factor there and at the same time um, they have had a lot of issues with the uh, uh, liquid metal cooling that they used uh, which they at least what they said I still believe you could have done it on a, on a, a differently but uh, they said they they needed that to have those higher clock speeds so I, I'm not sure if you go 60 compute units um, at the same clock speed than they have to right now in the PS5, um, uh, which is, I, I, I don't remember exactly. I think it's 2.6 gigahertz or something, which is pretty high for a GPU uh, already. I don't think that this is the way to go. Uh, then if you have 60 compute units, you probably will reduce the clock speed. So yeah, we shall see how much of a bump that really gives them on the GPU side of things. But since the GPU is obviously the, the one of the weakest points on, on the system right now, um, this is at least an Im improvement there. Uh, what about the CPU? What, what do you think about that? <clears throat> uh, what were the specs on the CPU again? They stay with the Sen 2, 8-core, 8-core, 2 
Uh, CPU. Terrible. Terrible. Well, why would you? Why would you stick with a Zen two CPU? <laughs> yeah. Why? 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 I, I don't know. <laughs> Could be compatibility. Um, you you kind of if if you move. Yeah, but that nah, but come on. Do, do, does PC have issues with the compatibility on Zen two to Zen four games? No, no, it doesn't. Well, I'm not. I'm not defending <laughs> it. I'm. I'm saying. Yeah, if you no, want to make the life lazy. as easy as possible for developers, yeah, I just think it's only being lazy. I honestly do. I think it's cost-cutting measures in order to yeah. maximize profits and minimize expenditure. Yeah, um, whilst getting some form of boost to the cap- to the output, but I don't yeah. think it's it's anything that's going to benefit really the consumers. And I did mention this before, unless it was something substantial. Um, in terms of performance output for the PlayStation 5 Pro, it's not something I'll be investing in. Yeah. It, it, and as it stands, there is nothing that says on paper that's going to show a substantial output and performance increase to me. Yeah, That doesn't look like it's going to do it. I, I do totally agree here. Uh, assuming, of course, that these specs are... The actual specs, if that's true, um, I don't think that this is is the necessary bump you need in a mid-gen uh, refresh upgrade in the in the year um, 2024. Um, simply for the fact, what what are the issues right now? What are the issues with console games right now? There are two things. The, the first thing is we tend or seem to go back to 30 FPS. In a lot of games, we've seen it with first-party publishers, we've seen it with third-party <clears throat> publishers, like the aforementioned Gotham Knights. Yeah, Great game, but only 30 FPS on console, no performance mode, no, no intention to even upgrade that. We've uh, had, on the Xbox side of things, of course, uh, Starfield lately, where we discussed this, and so on. Um, and... I think, and and there are a lot of other examples. Yeah, now lots of the fallen running like crap on on consoles, um, and especially now that we move away from cross gen games uh, into true current gen games, um, we we see that these consoles um, are not really up to to deliver a consistent 60 fps experience which should should be the standard so what do, what would i expect from a mid-gen upgrade obviously solve that problem and uh, that we see and it's not just it's not an an, an xbox only problem also <laughs> i'm just saying this is what we see now right now and you could always argue yeah the tools are not used or whatnot but this is is what we've seen and we've discussed this uh, intensively in, in previous podcasts. So if I want a mid-gen upgrade, I want to see them deliver consistently and really make it the, the standard 60 FPS and sticking with an 8-core Sen 2 CPU, which you already have right now in the PlayStation, um, wouldn't do uh, the, the trick there, especially since the CPUs are like kind of still are the weakest point of those consoles that we have right now because Zen 2 was really not was the only part in the consoles that was not like you know state of the art 
when it when the consoles launched, we already had Zen 3 CPUs. And now we have Zen 4 out there in the market. We have the Zen 4 CPUs there. In, in 24, we are talking here about a, a mid-gen upgrade that still uses the, the same CPU architecture that was like five, six years. When did Zen 2 come out? 2019, if I remember correctly. Someone in the chat might correct me, but there, but that's when when, when the Zen 2 uh, architecture launched. Um, early 2019, if I remember correctly. And, uh, and, and now we are in 24 and we're still using the same architecture when that is exactly the... the the, the, the thing that the mid-gen upgrade should fix and give us better frames. So that's the one part that that if I look at, at these specs, then of course you mentioned the memory pool. Like, I don't think that the speed of the RAM that we have right now, the DDR5 modules in there are the problem. I don't, I have, and, and there, there might be certain instances out there where we where games would benefit from a faster RAM. But the size size matters, Dutch. Size matters here. Um, <laughs> and um and 16 gigs is like the minimum requirement on so many games already out there on, on PC. And we are still uh, and it's different on console, I get that. I totally get that, but then again, like you already mentioned, a uh, certain amount, three to four gigs, are used for the operating system and what's left for the game. And that's the difference towards PC, because in on PC we don't have the shared memory pool. We have dedicated um, um, video uh, 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 on, on, on the GPUs, we have dedicated video uh, memories. Uh, a memory pool yeah so that's the difference in between the the apu approach that consoles take so it's really different there and then um adding up on that yeah that's exactly the thing that where we see see performance increase where's the bottleneck and 16 gigs are are a bottleneck and in a, in a year 24 if you want to have a performance system you would never build a PC with only 16 if you want if you're going for performance. So, yeah, on the GPU side of things, I uh, I know that uh, AMD is having a couple of issues with launching the RDNA 4 architecture. So it could be just simply a timing thing there. Why why not go there? But then uh, and, and stick with RDNA 3, which is already out, which has been proven to be a a major improvement over RDNA 2. That's cool, and I'm, yeah, I'm I'm happy that my Rock Ally, for instance, is a full RDNA 3 GPU, uh, which is, uh, is is cool and good, uh, more efficient architecture, absolutely. But it's not full RDNA 3. It's again this hybrid thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of. You kind of remember the talk about. The base PS5, yeah, not already not having the full RDNA 2 architecture, and it, I, I, I can't really judge because they didn't specify in the leak anything about what the hybrid really is. But if it's what I described earlier, uh, which uh, AMD has actually in their lineup for certain markets, 
uh, the, this this hybrid architecture where you basically have the only the CUs running on on, on the new architecture and the, and the rest of the GPU is basically still Arduino 2. If that's the case in this ca case, I don't really see the big improvement. A couple of more compute units, yeah, but I don't know. I don't know when I I'm I'm a lot of of that remember as me about the PS5 Pro uh, PS4 Pro. Because if I think back at the PS4 Pro, the jump from the base PS4 to the PS4 Pro didn't feel as significant as the jump we had from the base Xbox One X to the Xbox One X. And there are two reasons for that. Obviously, was the, the One X was slightly less powerful than the PS4 already, so there, there was part of the gap, but that's, I think that's the that's smaller thing. The bigger thing is, what did the Pro models try to do? The Pro models in the last gen tried to do 4K. And most PS4 games, uh, PS4 Pro games, actually only delivered 1440p. So it's not that we got the jump to, to native 4K uh, at the same frames. We had that way more often with the One X. The One X um, had a significantly stronger GPU and even... Though even the One X didn't achieve on a regular basis like native 4K, uh, we got a lot closer to that. Um, the, 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 there was a in in many two. Remember Red Dead Redemption Two, yeah, uh, running on PS4 Pro or One X. There was a night and day difference, and yeah. So this jump from PS4 to PS4 Pro kind of reminds me on about this now, yeah, um, where we see like minor improvements yeah we, we will probably see a bit better resolution with that yeah with with that better gpu we will see that if you look at the tech comparisons right now yeah that's where the ps5 falls most of the time behind the xbox uh, series x they have a few less pixels but honestly i don't think that this is the the problem the problem right now with consoles again are frames consistent frames and what do i would i want out of this it's exactly that and with those kind of specs we might see smaller improvements but it's not the leap that we want after four years uh uh, uh, for four years, four years of of tech development. That's the the the, the gap we have in between twenty two, uh, pardon me, in in between twenty twenty and twenty twenty four. When between the two in between the two systems, four years in technology is a lot, and I don't see that in those specs. If those specs, of course, turn out to be true. So, and then obviously the the price point comes in. So I don't know what where, where do you see them placing that price point <laughs> well based on the refreshed versions of the older models at a higher price probably we're talking about 600 i would agree i mean we are already at 550 right um yeah at least outside of the us um, um on a global scale we are already at 550 so and with the way how sony is pricing lately uh, I don't see them releasing the the, the pro under 600 even uh, I could even see them go for 650 or so yeah 
Um, and then the excuse will be inflation or something. I don't know. But yeah, um, looking at those specs, I don't know about you, but I would have hoped for more. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would have hoped for more personally. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, let's see. Um, I, I, I don't see uh, that being like the thing we need. And if we look at that, nope. and Xbox does not have an answer to that PS5 Pro. It might not even be that so so bad. Like uh, we painted the picture a couple of weeks ago when we had the the big Xbox leak, and yep. said, "Now stand by it." I still think it's not a good idea to not have a mid-gen upgrade. But if you do a mid-gen upgrade, don't do it like that. Um, yeah, if yeah that, it's like an incremental thing that doesn't make much difference. And we said, unless there was something that's going to be substantial, yeah. don't bother. And PlayStation haven't done anything substantial. It's not really going to improve anything. <clears throat> not detrimentally. Yeah. So, yeah. Let, let's see. Let's see. Um, again, clock speeds are not locked in yet, according to this leak. And that is not unusual. It's like um, a very last minute thing you do when you can see, okay, how far can we push the system and uh, before like we have higher failure rate of the chips um, on average and you do need to do a lot of testing for that and so yeah we shall see um, maybe they, they surprise us with the clock speeds and and there will be like an improvement an actual noticeable improvement thanks to that fact but from 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 this leak I don't see um, yeah see see this as a as a big improvement and the improvement we we all want uh, right there. Um, so, yeah, let's see. Let's see if this turns out to be true. Um, let, let's stay on PlayStation for a second. Uh, there was a patent going around um, um, earlier this week that where PlayStation has patented had a, a controller that stores and charges... Uh, wireless earbuds, PlayStation branded uh, earbuds that you can basically charge there in your controller. Um, so I've seen a lot of discussion about that, uh, that Sony is kind of going into that Apple direction, you know, where you have like all these accessories um, and you could argue, yeah, Xbox is also doing like headphones and controllers and uh, elite controllers and, and things like that. But uh, it's it's obviously kind of different uh, because I know exactly what they what this argument is all about. Uh, they released their handheld, which isn't really a handheld, which is a streaming device and a streaming device that you can only use in your own Wi-Fi in your own home. They you uh, released that kind of hardware. They obviously had earlier this year the PSVR two. They have the, the earbuds coming and and stuff like that and. And it, it kind of looks like they are trying to experiment and go into this direction, similar to Apple, where they sell you basically the same device uh, three times over. 
so Apple has the iPhone, then they have the, the, the mini iPad and a largely bigger iPad and then the, the iMac, which is basically the iPad, but, but with a keyboard and, um, and, and, and obviously it, it kind of looks like they are going into that direction. Do you think that this is a, a valid argument or, or different? Is it different here with Sony? And, and do you like it? What, what, what are your thoughts on this, man? And what was that? Sorry. <laughs> so, I've, I've been talking too much, obviously, if, you, if you're not paying attention here anymore. <laughs> uh, uh, Sony, you're going uh, with these... Oh, the, perif- uh, the Apple route, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, I, I, I don't put it past them, to be honest. Now, you've mentioned, of course, Xbox have got a lot of peripherals and things like that, but there's a difference between, I think, um, partitioning off something that should come standard with your consoles, like a stand, um, yeah. selling yeah. E- like earbuds, like leave that to third party. Like, I can understand you're selling your own headphones, gaming headset, yeah. But earbuds, yeah. Uh, and then what? Then what are you going to charge for them? Like 150, 200. And then, of course, you've just made all these plates that are not valid with the new console you're bringing out. So, it's like I, I don't. It's 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 hard it's hard to know. We know Xbox are going to continue to have a bunch of peripherals themselves, but they've largely kept those to things like looking to see how console wraps do as a as a as a, uh, a method of customizing your console without customizing it permanently. Um, then they've got a bunch of controllers. They've got a couple of headphones. Um, but they've usually kept it mostly cosmetic um, with the occasional kind of add-on for you, such as the expansion cards or um, the headphones or a brand-new controller or something like that. But we haven't seen them go into the realms of creating like a brand-new Series X stand that you buy separately because they don't give you a Series X stand with a Series X so it can stand up. and we haven't seen them do like exchangeable plates that cost that doesn't work with another version of the console. So yeah, it's uh, I don't put anything past Sony these days, to be honest. I, I don't. <laughs> yeah, and it's a, that's the thing. Um, the way we have seen them act over the last two three years um it, it's kind of hard to to not have that in your in the back of your head um even if if something good is coming out yeah you always kind of think like okay is this really good is this like or is this just another cash grab or it's that's basically what happens if you break the trust to, with the customers right um so yeah um, let's move, let's move on from Sony and I want to talk to you and, and of course to the community about something that I'm not really sure right now how I think about it. Um, and that is City Skylines 2. They have obviously, uh, uh, delayed the, the console launch to next year, but it's coming out uh, on PC and they said up front that they are very well aware 
about performance issues on PC. And they have warned players about that. Uh, they said, we still think for the long term of the project, releasing it now is the best way forward. Basically saying, okay, our game is broken, but we'll release it anyway. And this is the negative way to look at this. The positive way to look at this is, okay, at least they are being honest and upfront. Uh, honest about their issues upfront. Letting people know, okay, if you buy the game at launch, you're going to have performance issues. We're going to try to work on them. It will be fixed somewhere in the future. But we're releasing it now. So, you know what I mean? You can look at this both ways. Um, so, I, I want to know your thoughts. And, of course, everyone uh, wants thoughts in the community here. Um about this I, i'm really not, right now not so sure what what to think about it because i like honesty i like when developers come out and not make you buy the game and then tell you yeah we know we have performance issues we are trying to fix it but being straight up okay we, we but then on the other hand i don't want developers to feel okay about launching a game not in the state because they're still charging you full price. So how do you feel about this, man? Yeah, if any game is like that where the game isn't working or it's full of bugs or it's got issues, then delay it. Yeah. So simply that, like, it shouldn't be charging anybody anything. Uh, have we not learned any, enough over the, the last couple of years about releasing broken games and yeah. then having to patch them afterwards? That You shouldn't be charging anybody money for a product that isn't technically sound when it releases yeah that isn't working as should be when it releases you shouldn't be charging anybody any money for that you delay the game whether it be a month or two months iron out those bugs and then put it out that's what it should be no more no less i don't i don't i will i'll not be playing the game day one I, i'll not be playing the game at all until it's been completely patched out it's a good job it's going into game pass because this shouldn't be Honestly, there shouldn't be. And even then, it's just more ammo for people that, that want the, the Game Pass rhetoric <clears throat> of games going into a service that are broke and don't worry, you're not paying for it, so you don't have to worry. That shouldn't be the case. Yeah. Whether it goes into a service or you're paying full price for it, games should work full stop on release. What if the developers can't afford a delay? Because delays... That's the, that's the thing about game development. You have to put in a lot of money for a long time. You have to pay your entire staff. You have to rent out the rooms, the offices, the, the equipment, the licenses for software and whatnot. <coughs> so it costs a lot of money to make games. Um, what if they simply ran out of money? Because I have not seen this. And this is what, what I... Why I'm a little torn here, I do agree with you in general. I don't want games to launch with with bugs and with performance issues and uh, or, or lacking features or, and, and all the things that we have seen that kind of became the norm lately. Yeah, So many games launch uh, not in a good state, but this is the first developer that right out addresses it up front. Two weeks before the game comes out, they come out and say, hey, we warn you, our game will have issues, which 
is the thing that I do like about this, you know, being straight up. You do, you don't lure people in to buy your game without knowing it, um, which is, is a positive and good way to look at it. But then again, yeah, I don't want that. And um, I don't know what, why they do it, um, but it I can't think of any other game that did it like that, uh, uh, where the developer up front says, hey, we warn you, our game is buggy. And a mess. Um, I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't like the approach. I, I understand they go, they don't they might not have the money left to do it, etc. But they they're gonna have even less money left when people don't buy the game because they know it's buggy or it it breaks or they get <laughs> refunded. Like it's all well and good selling a bunch of copies, but if those people return those copies, then you're not making money anyway. So it's like. <laughs> Yeah. You're gonna stuck in uh, kind of catch twenty two there. I mean, they, they are making money simply for the fact that they launch also in Game Pass, right? And they make yeah. some money off of that, um, even if they wouldn't sell it uh, because they want people. I I don't know. Um, yeah, kind of a weird thing. Kind of a weird thing, uh, but. Yeah, let, let's see how it how the game actually turns out to be. Uh, it looked really cool. Uh, I have to admit that it, it looked really really cool. Um, but yeah, speaking of <laughs> messy games, by the way, I think Gollum uh, is generally considered as, as one of the worst games this, that launched this year. And apparently, there's God that launched this year, did it? It launched this year, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, there's yeah. a now some 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 other game takes that crown of being the most <clears throat> awful game this year. King uh, uh, Kong, exactly. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, God. I think that's by a studio. I'm sure that's by a renowned studio that makes these absolutely terrible, terrible yeah. games. And I really don't understand how they're still allowed to make games. I don't I know don't. either. I really don't like these are work. Uh, I've seen. Like, literally, one-man indies make something more polished in two days yeah. than this This studio has the nerve to charge people $40 for. 50 50 It's $50. a $50 it's even game, worse. yeah. It's even worse. Yeah. It should be investigated. It's... I, I don't get it either. Uh, I, I know that, you know... Every studio has their hits and misses these days. Yeah, obviously, like look at look at Redfall. Redfall is probably um, uh, it's definitely not a good game, uh, at least in my opinion. I know there are a couple of people uh, in our community that look at this different, but uh, uh, it's not like. They make awful games. Um, yeah, uh, the studio has. Yeah, if you compare Redfall to Kong, God, Redfall may as well be. It's an absolute masterpiece. Absolutely, in yeah, I totally agree. It's not, no, not you can't even. I, I, I just, that was not my intention to compare the two. Oh, yeah, what yeah. I meant is that, like, the studio generally makes good games. You know, they this on yeah. of prey and so on, um, and and so every studio has their hits and misses. But but with these kind of studios. Um, the King Kong game, like like you said, uh, they I, I don't even understand how how they can survive out there. How they get like 
you have to go through approval processes. Even on Steam, there's at least, I mean, there are some god-awful games on Steam, but, you know, they're through some certification process out there. And it's like, I don't I don't get it either, man. But, yeah. It baffles me how these games get through the cracks. And, these, uh, and people go through the approval process of playing that game and thinking, yeah, that's good enough to charge. Like, these platforms should be sitting there and going, there's absolutely no way you're putting that price tag on that game. Yeah. Not a chance. There's shovelware with better gameplay with that. Yeah. And that's what that game is. It's absolute shovelware. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, let, let's move away from from King Kong, uh, and <laughs> everyone hopefully stays away from that. Uh, really, I, yeah. I've seen some clips on Twitter, bro. Like, God, Lord, it's it's been a long time since I've seen something awful like that. Uh, it's it's really bad. It really is. Let, but yeah, again, let, let's move away from that game. Um, Pete Hines. Um, Uncle Pete uh, is leaving Bethesda after 24 years. Um, Phil Spencer wished him, of course, thanked him, wished him uh, all the best. Um, what do, what do you make of this? Because I've seen people out there, obviously. Oh, see, uh, Pete is uh, not not happy being under Xbox and Xbox. <clears throat> yeah, you know, pushing out people and 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 things like that. What do you think? Uh, what what about? He, he would have left. He would have left with or without Xbox. To be honest, I think it's the same with even same with Todd Howard. Is uh, I think Todd's he's mentioned himself. He's got a couple of games left, a couple of big games left in him, and then that's him done. Um, these people have been. I mean, he's been in the industry twenty four years, man. It's a long time. Yeah, it's a long time to be in the industry, and he's he's just stepping back, um, stepping out of it, retiring, and he's said himself spending time with his family. So, I mean, that doesn't mean he's on he's permanently retired, because anybody can, and especially if you have a a year out, two years out, you sometimes you just get bored and you're like, you know what it is, I I want to do something again. Yeah. So it could be that we'll see him again at some in some capacity in the industry in the future, but for right now he's just stepping back to rightfully spent time with his family after 24 years solid have been in the, in the, with Bethesda. So yeah, that's off to him and, uh, and all the best to him, but yeah, it's nothing, it's nothing major. Um, he's, he's, um, in charge of Bethesda marketing, marketing. Yeah. It's a marketing department. So, I mean, it's not direct, it's not a direct, um, direct impact on any of the games it won't have an impact on any of the games that are coming out and there's a lot of awesome art marketing guys these days especially at bethesda so yeah i don't think they'll be massively massively impacted there either i yeah. think they know what they're doing they've got a good work role once you've got a good kind of workflow and you've done the same thing for quite a while that workflow becomes kind of second nature to the entire team never yeah. mind just the, the guy that's in charge of that team so Nothing will change. It's um, it'll, it'll all still work as is. See, whilst I do agree with almost everything you said, uh, I think there will be a couple of things that change. We've learned when we were at Gamescom, man. We learned that um, 
that that Xbox is now looking into bringing like the two publishing and, and marketing departments closer together. Um, yeah, we actually met the lady on the Xbox side of things uh, that is now in charge uh, on on Xbox side of things for Bethesda marketing and and uh, public relations and. Um, we have very, very uh, nice lady, by the way, and uh, yeah. we we had a, a long conversation uh, about those changes where when they acquired them, um, uh, basically in the middle of the pandemic, yeah, uh, they uh, kept things very separately. They left the entire organization as it is and and let everything running, and now they try to bring that closer together. Um, so there, there are certain things that will change. And I think now that after the Bethesda Zenimax acquisition, they are moving out of that phase where people look at the releases as, oh, this is a Bethesda game. Yeah. Like Deathloop that didn't even launch it on, on Xbox, uh, in the first year. Yeah. Because of a previous agreement and so so they kind of kept that separate and now you could really feel with starfield being really marketed also as xbox first party game you know i think that in the future they will bring that together and and closer together that we don't look at this oh this is not an xbox this is a bethesda game but we look at this oh bethesda is xbox now and um, there, there are certain things, uh, probably especially on the publishing and marketing side, that will change. And who knows? Um, after twenty-four years in the industry, what, uh, what, what could be his reason to leave? Maybe he wants to do something else. Maybe it's something personally. Just uh, looked at. Hey, I made enough money, <laughs> you know, over the years. I wanna. Want to have a better work-life balance um, because being in such a leadership position usually comes with the sacrifice of your work-life balance. Um, there are multiple reasons why he could have left. Uh, yeah, I don't think that there's any like people made it out to be kind of bad blood. And Pete Hines has, does not want to work on the Xbox. I don't think it's that he sees the. The organization is changing slowly. They are being more integrated, and he had his fair share of uh, and, and, and impact on the gaming industry. And maybe he wants to to, to just move on, yeah, like personal decision. I don't know, um, but I don't think that this is any way, in any way, shape, or form, like a you know, like a warning signal and and what people uh, uh, on on social mentioned it. So. Um, they, again, there there are always many reasons why people switch jobs. I have to switch jobs uh, for for private reasons. Yeah, nothing to do with the company or the job itself. Uh, the job was awesome, but uh, there, there 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 are so many reasons why people leave, and it's nothing special. And and even uh, managers uh, sometimes switch jobs. You know, um, so yeah. Don't don't think that that this is any way, uh, in any way, shape or form, like a warning signal or something. But yeah, Dutch. Um, this almost brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, I need to apologize to our community, man. 
uh, I totally forgot to put out our weekly questionnaire about the community questions. I simply forgot. I have no excuse other than me being uh, forgetful. Uh, and so I forgot. To, usually I put out a post every Wednesday so people can write in the community questions. And we have each and every week a lot of really, really good and cool questions coming in, topics for us to discuss. And I simply have to apologize. I forgot to put out the poll. So no community questions this week. I promise... Uh, that there will be community questions next week again. So uh, that's why Dutch, let's wrap this show up and let people know what you're working on, what you're coming up um, on uh, on your channel and especially with the charity thing. Uh, yeah, tell, tell people, make some advertisement for that man. Yeah, so um, obviously from uh, next month, from the 6th of November to the uh, 12th of November, we're doing a charity drive for special effect. Um, so we'll, uh, obviously any donations are greatly appreciated towards that. We've set a lofty goal of 1500 this year. Um, so and we've we've usually kind of hit around that mark every year so fingers crossed everybody can uh, can help and dig in towards that but uh, that'll be across multiple channels so myself uh, will be streaming um Vinny might be streaming as well patia and uh, maybe a few others um, and obviously myself i'll be doing a couple of streams throughout the week um, on twitch and youtube um, as well as a 24-hour marathon stream on the 11th till the 12th um so you can catch me on uh, on Twitch uh, with that 24-hour marathon stream there. So that's Twitch TV forward slash midweek mixup, um, and that's where you can find that. Um, but other than that, of course, every Monday I'll be doing a game stream on YouTube. Every Tuesday I'll be doing a game stream on Twitch. Every Wednesday, hopefully, um, in the future, we'll be getting back to doing the podcast. If not, we'll be doing dual streams with Boxy again on Thursday. Um <clears throat> And then every Friday and Saturday, uh, we'll be doing late night uh, Twitch streams uh, again, gameplay. So um, again, that's Twitch TV, that's twitch.tv forward slash midweek mix up. Um, but uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Sweet, sweet. And <clears throat> hopefully next week we have you back on camera again, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, looking forward to the charity uh, uh, stream marathon and uh, we definitely put the the link to to all of that in the description here um but yeah other than that um guys uh, it's a fantastic time to be a gamer there are so many games out there to play right now game pass is killing it um Lot of, lots of cool stuff coming there. Third parties are on fire and uh, Spider-Man 2 is on the horizon. I cannot wait to play that over the weekend. Um, so it's it's really a fantastic time to be a gamer. So go out there, play some games um, and uh, make sure to catch us on the socials to, to talk about games and other than that, we are back next week, Thursday, on the regular time, 2 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Europe, 7 p.m. UK time. Uh, until then, have a great weekend, everyone. And I see you guys next week. And don't forget to game on.